Welcome to my Beauty Fuel Food by JJ, a yoga and wellness expert from New York living in Paris. JJ seeks out creatives and entrepreneurs who exemplify a vision of how to live a good life. Welcome to our very high vibrational lifestyle. So this evening, I have the pleasure of interviewing Josie Schweitzer, who is an incredible yoga teacher and also has a podcast. Um, Josie, do you think that you could start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, for sure. Um, I live, first of all, I live in Columbus, Ohio, and I have a yoga studio here. I'm actually choosing not to open it after this whole COVID situation hit. So we can like get more into that in the conversation, but, um, you know, this, this time where kind of the world shut down gave me a lot of time to, um, you know, reflect and to get honest with like what it is that I'm really trying to offer. Right. And so, um, so that was a big decision. Also, um, you know, during this time, it gave me the opportunity to say, I'm going to start this podcast. I've been wanting to start for a while. So it kind of all happened out of having the fire under my ass from COVID, to be honest, you know, um, totally. in a, it's funny, like, I don't know, I'm sure you, you hop into Naveen's classes, the founder of Katona Yoga sometimes. And she said the one day, like never waste a good crisis. Right. And I just feel like this whole time has just been like, you're either going to like get knocked down or you're going to like get knocked down and then come out of it. You know, it's like <laughs> bounce back from it and totally, totally. And, and just kind of like discover more about yourself. So I started a podcast and honestly, it's just, you know, I wanted to have conversations with people about just where they're at, their truth. It's called food, sex, money, water. And, um, you know, we talk about that in the practice as well as being, um, like basic needs, right? It's like our primal basic needs as um, as people in this world. So when I think of basic needs, I think of like, what is the practice? What does it do for us? But then outside of that, it's like, how are we taking the practice into our lives, right? Because that's most importantly, like, how are we living, right? This, this practice is about having more joy. Um, and really like for me, it's about like moving towards my truth, right? Like what I want to offer as a teacher, as a friend, as a lover, you know, all these things. So, you know, oddly enough, most of the people that have been on my podcast are Katona yoga teachers, but that's, you know, not true for everyone. Um, but it's just people that I've wanted to have conversations with. So I'll just continue it on in that way and hopefully get you know, artists that inspire me. And now more than ever, I want to talk to political, you know, people that are in politics and hear their view on things and widen my lens on what was kind of um, a very, a smaller lens before all this happened. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. And um, my podcast started really very similarly as well, where, you know, it's such a great platform to open the the discussion and, and hear you know, different people's views on things. And actually, um, funny enough, like there was a moment where I was interviewing like pretty predominantly Katona yoga teachers as well. And so I'm happy to bring some of that fire back um, and have you on here. Well, I'm so happy to be on here. I've actually listened to um, a, a handful of your podcast episodes with Katona yoga teachers. And one of them is the Naveen one, which I think I've listened to like a good five times. So 
thank you for what you do because you are definitely like making an impact, you know. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much to me. The, doing that podcast was totally like, I mean, I was just thinking as she was speaking, like, holy crap, I'm going to need to listen to this like 700 times to even like maybe understand one thing that she's like to get my hands on one thing that she says. I would love to know your pathway to Katona yoga because, ha- well, first of all, are you from Ohio? Yeah. I mean, how far back do you want me to go? Because I always kind of start with, um, I used to be a hairstylist. <laughs> really? Yeah. And that kind of led me into teaching yoga. Um, so depending on how far back you want me to go, you let me know. Well, I think starting with the hairstyling would be great. I mean, I don't know how far back that is, but I, that sounds like a great place to start. Yeah. I mean, so in high school, I was very much like into the arts, right? I, I was into photography. I spent half my day at um, a school that was just focused on photography. So I thought my path would be that. But um, I also, you know, liked to have a lot of fun back then. <laughs> and art school was a lot of money and it required a lot of discipline. And I, it was just like this random decision that I was going to do hair school after I graduated high school and just see if I liked it. And if not, I was going to go to um, Columbus College of Art and Design. So I am from Columbus. And I started hair school and Jesse, I, I fell in love with it. Like it was this new art form for me. And I've always been like a very, like, I like to be around people social. So for me, it kind of checked all the boxes. Like I could have conversations with people and every time I would like, you know, go to do to styling hair, I thought of it as like, it's a fresh blank canvas. Right. So for me, it wasn't like a, Oh, how am I going to make money? I'm going to do hair. It was like, this is an art. And I really treated it like that for a long time. Um, and in doing so, you meet a lot of people when you style hair, right? I don't know if you, you know, you probably go to a hairstylist and you're probably very close to them and you probably told them things that you may have never even told your therapist. Um, yeah, totally. Actually, I think it's actually funny that, um, now that you bring it up that you're a hairstylist, cause I've actually so many people that I've interviewed, for instance, I, I recently interviewed, um, she does sound baths and a lot of crystal healings and stuff like that. And she started off as a hundred percent. Um, a makeup artist. And so it's, yeah, I totally hear that. And my mom was, my mom is a fashion stylist, but for um, photo shoots. So I grew up also meeting a lot of hairstylists. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of layers to it, right? So one end is like this artistic side, but then there's the side that you become like really close to your clients, right? Like they come in and you know, like, you know their deepest and darkest secrets. They trust you. Like if somebody trusts you to do their hair, they're kind of like, I feel at that point, they're like trusting you with like, if, you know, they would tell you the worst thing ever because they trust that like you will hold that for them. <laughs> so you're kind of like holding space for someone to, to talk through their shit, you know? And for me, I really did love that side of it. Like I am fascinated by hearing people's stories, which is why I love podcasts, listening to them, doing them, because I truly genuinely like, I want to know all the details. Like I'll be talking to somebody and I'll ask these questions, you know, outside of the podcast or like what I would have never thought to like, even think about that. I'm like, I know I'm, I'm like a weirdo. Like I want to know all the little nooks and crannies that are happening. So for me, it was very fascinating to be able to do hair and like meet people in that way. 
But, you know, like anything else that we do, um, things become like we get stagnant, right? Like I reached this place in doing hair that I was like, okay, what's next, right? Like I have this clientele, I'm booked. And I kind of felt, you know, it's like, you know, that like they're coming in to get their roots done and they're, you know, and I felt stagnant for sure because I was like, I, there was more to this, but in that some of my clients had, you know, and they'll invite me to go take a yoga class, do this, do that. So I, I got to know so much about different things in meeting these people. So one of my clients took me to this yoga class and I immediately fell in love with it. And I just like went hard in the paint. And soon after I started my practice, I was like, well, this is more than physical as you know, we all have these stories of like, this is, there's more to it. And so I went and I did my 200 hour in Costa Rica on a whim because I had my own business. I could just close out my books. And I was like, okay, two weeks from now I'm going on this trip and I'm going to go learn more. And for me, it wasn't, I'm going to go and, and become a teacher. It was like, I want to know more about what, why I'm feeling this way and why this is like changing my life, you know? <laughs> and so I went and did that and I knew that when I was in Costa Rica, I could, I had that flash, you know, we have these flashes of like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this with my life. And those are terrifying because we like see them for a second and then they might like slip away from us. Well, I knew I was like, I have to teach this practice and I have to own a studio and I have to like lead trainings. Like I wanted to lead teacher trainings. I wanted to do that work. Like, cause I just knew like, what I learned out of that had gotten me like to a place that I had never imagined before. So I came back and I, within a few months, found a space, opened a studio. Um, and that's how it started. And I was really young. Um, and so here I was this like vinyasa yoga teacher who had been teaching for less than a year and opened up a studio <laughs> and then I was able to like quit hair. Everything happened really fast. Like it became really like this place to be, to be honest. Um, this was my first studio. And so, um, it, there was like, I brought on a lot of teachers and, um, it cultivated this like amazing community. But in doing that, I was like, okay, vinyasa, like the vinyasa yoga side of it, where I was like teaching these fun classes to loud music, wasn't doing it for me anymore. It was that same feeling I had doing hair. I was like, what's next? Like, there's something more to this. So I left for six months and I traveled to New York. Um, while the space, it wasn't called the space, it was called Thank Yoga. While it was still open, I, I like had my manager running it. I ran it from a distance. I went and I did a training at Yoga Works, but the first week I was there in New York, someone told me to go to this studio called Katoni Yoga. I had never heard of it, never. So it was the first week I was there. I went and I took a class and I was like, what is this? And I've been on that journey ever since. So I finished this, the, the 500 with Yoga Works, but I was practicing, like my first practice was with um, Philip Askew. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, he used to teach for the old Katona yoga studio that was in Chelsea. I don't know if you ever got a chance to practice there. No. So I went to him and Philip asked you, he's amazing. If you look him up on Instagram, he is like, he looks like a circus person. Like he will just like literally read a book on his hand. So he's, I was very much into a rigorous vinyasa practice. And so that drew me into Katona because he was infusing the Katona yoga theory and like the breath work and pranayama into the vinyasa. So for me at that time, it was like the best 
entrance into the other world of Katona for me, because that's kind of how I needed to enter into it at that time. So that was a Friday night. And the next Sunday, I was like, I want to see what this like Katona yoga is. I took Abby's class and the rest is history. Like, I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, I need to keep going to that place. So I made it like I was in my 500 at Yoga Works. And you know, because you've taken their trainings, it's a lot of work, right? But I was still so committed to this other practice. So by the time I got back, and I was um, teaching at my studio again, people were like, whoa, like, you've yeah, teaching totally. change a lot, but really, and so you know, you think it's because of this training I was in, but really looking back, it was like I was so heavily influenced by what I was learning at Katona. So I actually just went on, and I at the time they didn't have that thing where you can like just a- accumulate hours and become a teacher. I was I was not even trying to become a Katona yoga teacher. I was just like, give me more, give me more. I need it all. So I would sign up for like trainings. I would fly out for a weekend and practice with Abby or Naveen or other, you know, Dejis and all these amazing teachers. And then they were like, oh, did you know that you can like accumulate your hours and become a teacher? So I was like, what? So I had already like almost 200 at that time. So I was like almost there. And so I became certified years ago, a few years ago. Um, and then I was able to say, okay, I'm this Katona yoga teacher. And, you know, it's like, once it seeped into what I was doing, it kind of seeped into like everything I was doing, the, the theory of it, the, the Taoist, the Tao, the, the five element theory, you know, there's all these things that then like that's kind of bled into my entire life. So that's where I'm at. Incredible story. And I totally am there with you with the wanting to know stories thing. I, I really think that that's I never really, I don't think I've, I think I've only interviewed one other person who has a podcast, but it's funny. I'm really similar to you. Like, I think that it resonates with a lot of people, what you were saying with like, okay, I'm good at that. Or like, this is working. I'm over it. Now what's, what's the next thing? And, um, and I think also like the, you know, the Corona period, a lot that shifted a lot of things. And actually like, um, for those of you listening, I just practiced with Josie and I hadn't practice Katona in a while. And I think um, because in like the confinement for me during the confinement period of Corona, it was so much easier to just do something like firing and punchy and like cardio. And it just felt real. It was really what I needed. And it's just such, you're always learning with Katona. So I'd like to know more about your decisions between during um, the COVID period and you know, you're not going to reopen the studio. And I can imagine that that means for a different future for you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. And let me kind of back up because we kind of stopped when I, I had an old studio called Thank Yoga. And so I was like, you know, after five years of owning it, I decided to sell it. And because I was like, I need to step away from being like studio owner, manager, overseeing, you know, like there was just and along that, that way, I, I stopped doing hair like a few months into owning that studio. So I was just kind of all of a sudden, I'm this full-time yoga instructor, but I'm also a, you know, a studio owner, an entrepreneur and all these things. So I was like, I need like space to like not own a studio. So I actually walked away from it. It was like very successful and I, I sold it and I... Um, I focused on privates. I, I practiced with Dejus and did her trainings and I got really into like the one-on-one um, therapeutic private side of it. And in that, I like I knew I would want to open a space again that was like focused on Katona, but I didn't know how soon I would. 
And so after being out of it for like a year and a half, I was like, I just, I, I want to open a studio that is just, you know, focused on this practice because I found that when I was practicing, just like doing the privates, a lot of teachers were coming to me because I ran 200 hour training. So a lot of my students were then teachers, right? So I was kind of holding space for a lot of teachers in town and traveling and teaching and stuff. But I was like, you know, they're into it. Like they want to know more. And so I decided to open this space here and it's, you know, I've only, and this place is called the space. Um, and it's been open, you know, I, I renovated it. I put a lot of money into it. Um, you know, a lot of blood, sweat and tears, <laughs> but in having this space again, um, you know, and then kind of having it taken away from me, I'm realizing like, Oh, like, there's a lot more I want to offer that goes outside of the physical practice of this. Like I'm, I'm, I love the physical side. I will always be in the physical realm of it, but where I really thrive and what I love the most is like trainings and working like on a more intimate level with people. And so I'm actually leading my first 300 hour training right now as we speak, and I'm working only with teachers. Right. But during this time also, I've been able to do something that I have it was funny, Jesse, I was like working on this for months leading up to Corona. Like I would go to a coffee shop and I would sit down and I'd be like, I'm going to have this like online course that I'm going to do every month. But for whatever reason, I never followed through. Like I would like write about it and visualize it and all this stuff, but I never like, like launched it. So I, I, launched I did my first one last month it's called the blueprint and, and you know anytime you do something the first time you're like okay and now I know how it can work better and how it can you know operate operate better so this is like I just found in this time that like I have this course that I want to offer people every month and this is kind of like all through online and zoom and um, you know eventually I, I definitely I want to still be in person teaching people but I don't like this again, I fell into the like studio ownership and being in charge of other teachers. And, you know, all of that stuff takes away from what you want to offer as a teacher, as a person. And I'm in that place again, where I'm like, wait, I, I, I want to be like, I want to just be in charge of me right now. So I can really get clear with like what it is that I'm offering. Well, my question for you is, I mean, so, you know, you were the person that really brought Katona Yoga to Columbus. Ohio. And I'm wondering, how did people react to the change in your teaching style? And how did people react to the opening of the space and this new, very different way of practicing yoga? Well, honestly, like a lot of people reacted very well. Like I, I had had a good, you know, clientele for a number of years that kind of like trusted where I was headed. It's like, okay, if she's going to give us this, like, we're going to trust that we're going to like come along for the ride kind of thing. But it's also like, it, I don't know that once I kind of like dove deep into it, I don't, it wasn't just like, you know, um, for anybody, right. I couldn't market it like, Hey, there's a yoga studio. It was very a niche thing. Like it had to be like, you've already been practicing. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like where people can just like run Facebook ads this is a new totally. studio and here's our yoga. Like it's like every time people come in, they're like, Whoa, that's so different. Right. And like a lot of people were into it for sure. A lot of teachers, but also it wasn't like packed house, like every class, you know, 
it's like it, it was a very um it was a destination place too it wasn't just like we're in the community come do this yoga it had to be like you really had to want to come do it so not only was it like you had to then take that time out of your day to like come to where we are um even if you lived across town right so for me it was like okay how how can i offer what i'm doing in a way that's like going to be more substantial you know and like i've had now like there's you know nikki you did a podcast with her she's now become katona yoga certified and there's a few other people that are Katoni yoga certified or well on their way and you know the teachers that teach here um they're still teaching through zoom through the end of the summer like posted by the space but like you know i just trust that like wherever they go like whatever studio they go to like you know then that community will keep growing and growing and and um and so that's that's cool it's just it doesn't i I just realized like i didn't i don't need it to just be within these four walls anymore like it, it can be much bigger than that i totally hear you and i think that that also resonates a lot with um the katona yoga certification in that, you know, they're going to look at your hours and obviously, but it's, it's pretty much like, um, you know, honesty policy. I mean, they're not going to like double check that you were like in Josie's class at, um, 10 AM on Sunday, June 21st. Uh, you know, I, for sure that this, this period of time that was very different than anything that we've ever experienced very much like Katona is very different from any other type of yoga um definitely brought up a lot of things and um i think that you know your decision i mean you're totally right like you can either go with it or you can say like fuck this but i mean if if you decide not to go with it i mean you're not going to go anywhere so another thing i've learned during like the quarantine we're teaching on zoom because at first i wasn't like yay i'm ready to teach online like i in fact like didn't like that idea at all i was like fuck like i don't want to do this you know like i'm used to people coming here and you can use all these 20 props you know grab five blocks grab three blankets grab two straps you know it's like then i had to realize like people don't have blocks people don't have props like that how am I going to teach in a way and also not to mention the amount of physical adjusting that we do right so for me it was like how am I going to readjust the way that I'm teaching to where you're still getting this experience without using props without having adjustments so things like you know using like just different cues and using yourself to to get around yourself and then understanding this whole other side of the practice that I I'm obviously going to still do adjustments you know but it's learning that like we don't a lot of these things we were reliant on aren't necessarily necessary (laughs) and so in my eyes like i'm i'm kind of relearning how to have a practice and how to teach in a way that like is just more efficient and more effective and you know now i think a lot of people are seeing that there are a lot of offerings online and you don't have like especially if you live in a bigger city right in new york like taking a class was like a three-hour endeavor you know it's like getting there you know having enough time beforehand getting home it's like schlepping around the city and people now can just hop on a zoom and like be in and out in an hour and they have more time in their day and like one of the big things in this practice is like how can you you know, use your times wise. Use your time wisely. Like, how can you seize your day? And it's not saying that. Like, don't get me wrong. I love communal practice, and I will always do it. But it's understanding that I don't think it needs to. 
I don't know that it's going to be as much as it was before. Like, I second you on that because for me, for example, like now, and maybe that's just the rhythm of also working, um, working from home now, but um, now I'm like, I really like have to think like, how would I even fit an hour into my day every day of going somewhere? Not even just the hour, not even the getting there and coming back. Because now I feel like I'm trying to fit in like 30 minutes of like movement and like, it's hard to fit it in. So I think that, yeah, people are definitely going to change the way that they do things. And I do think that, um, but I do think like, like you said, like there will, I think there will be space for, um, for yoga because I think yoga, like, you know, you really have to, especially in a yoga class, because like when you're at home, if your teacher says like, use a brick or use a blanket and you don't do it, like I noticed myself today, like no one's holding you accountable, even though no one's really holding you accountable ever, but like you can do whatever you want and then you just have to hold yourself accountable. And I know for me, that's one difficulty I've had um, with my practice during the quarantine is like not holding myself accountable much. And that's probably why I haven't been doing much, much yoga because I just feel like, oh, I just like get up and like stop my practice if I do it. Like if I'm watching like, um, if I'm watching like a Sky Team TV, I can't hold myself accountable. Yeah, that's why I love hopping into Zooms and I turn on my video and I, I take with people like Abby because I know that like she's not going to let me like not do shit, you know? So, but also, and it's like, I don't need it as much, but also that's why we're so yeah. um, proponents for like having a, a home practice, like cultivating your own home practice and knowing like that it doesn't have to look like an hour of rigorous movement on the mat. It can be a five minute rounded plow because that's going to soothe you. It can be a five minute supported back then because you need to go out to a party and you need to literally like open yourself up so that you're more, you know, so you can talk more so you can be out more, like just like knowing that like there's more efficient and effective ways to quote unquote practice than, you know, what it used to look like. So, you know, for me, like I need the home practice side of it as well as the communal to keep me and hold me accountable. Right. Yeah. I feel the same, same, same way. So to finish, I have a couple of questions for you. Um, one of which I is a much easier question than I thought it would be because I mean, not everyone I interview is a, is um, a hairstylist. So, but you're also a Katona yoga teacher and routines are a bit funny with Katona. Um, so do you have any like beauty routines or daily routines, things that you do every day? Well, I'm definitely a routine person. So it's funny because you say beauty routine and like, I, um, I'm not that girl that like has like the whole, like, you know, um, I don't honestly, I don't wear a lot of makeup in general. I think it's amazing. But like, even as a hairstylist, I've always like, you know, my hair has always just been like wild and crazy. And like, um, so for me, when I think of like my beauty routine, it's my meditations in the morning. So I practice a lot of Kundalini yoga, which is like, you know, we infuse that into Katona, like all the breath work and stuff. But like, I have like, I'll do Kriya, right? So for me, that makes me feel radiant and beautiful. And um, I was actually talking about this in the training the other day. It's like, what makes you feel beautiful? Like for me, it's when I'm dripping sweat running down the street. So I have to be in my body and like sweating once a day. And that makes like, that's kind of like my quote unquote, like beauty routine, because I have to be like embodied and um, like sweating. It makes me feel like so alive and so like, 
in tune with who I am. Like I, for a long time, like running was actually my thing. And I didn't realize it was like, oh, because there's so much breath. Like there's so much pranayama when you're running. Like that's why I was so addicted to it. Like I, every time after I ran, you know, we say that runner's high. It's because you're literally like consciously breathing for an hour plus every time. So of course you're going to feel like invigorated afterwards. Just like when you sit in on an hour long pranayama. So I have those. I also, yes, I do drink my water in the morning, but I also have a cup of coffee. And I also, I take my dog on a walk in the morning and listen to music before I put on a podcast. Like I, I always want to start my day like with my own thoughts. So I do morning pages as well, um, which is kind of like a brain dump of everything that's in your head. Um, and then, you know, cause it's easy to kind of like start your day and like check your phone and look at the news and, and get in that like anxious mindset. Like I don't turn on my Instagram until all those things are done. Right. Um, I don't put on a podcast until I've been with myself. Um, so I'm not like influenced by other people. It's like, I have to like check in with me. I mean, it's what you do, but I also think it's really good advice because I know that I can definitely be victim of that as well. And then we lose so much of so much insight about ourselves that we could potentially have to make our day feel better. So for me, beauty is like, how do you, you know, it's like we all have this different definition of what that is and what that means to us. Yeah, completely. And I, and I'm the same as you. I, I don't wear any makeup really anyway. And I think that, yeah, beauty comes, I mean, it's cliche, but beauty does really kind of come from within. And I think that sitting with yourself is, is super, super important. And I mean, we've talked a lot about Corona and I think just to end on the note that, you know, if anything, I really hope that people can take with them. Um, and I, I feel like that's kind of what you're saying as well. Like a lot of the really, you know, good routines and positive things that they put into place with all of this time on their, all of our, this time we've had by ourselves um, and kind of go with that. So thank you so much, Josie. It was such a pleasure. Um, oh, so awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in from Columbus, yeah. Ohio. And um, it's just been awesome. You're welcome.